Thank you for listening to the Christ the King Church podcast. We exist to help people know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all of life. For more information about our church, please visit us at ctksensi.com. All right, good morning. Uh, my name's Alex. I, um, I wanted to, before beginning, just uh, say, hey, we had an outreach yesterday. We went on Main Street downtown in OTR, and um, we had to change things up a little bit when we planned the outreach. We were not expecting it to be as cold as it was, but it was good, it was cold. We were gonna hand out water, we handed out hot chocolate instead, and got to pray for people, and, um, and I, was, I was encouraged by that. I was also encouraged, we had two different groups, and at the end, when we went to pick up the, the supplies from the other group, they were deep into a conversation with a man, um, encouraging him, pleading with him to follow Christ. And so we are going to be doing a lot more of that in our next outreaches in May during the Taste of Cincinnati. Um, same deal, we want to be intentional with sharing the gospel with people, but at the same time, it's one of those things where if you are not as experienced, if that's something that scares you, uh, we want to provide uh, ways for entry into that. So we'll have, you know, you can pray for people, you can go with somebody who's more experienced, um, but I would, I would strongly encourage you to come. We're gonna be doing this often. In, in August, beginning of the school year, on campus sharing the gospel with students, and I'm excited about this, and so please join us uh, at future outreaches. Uh, but, okay, we're gonna start today in Luke 18, verses one through eight. You may know this as the parable of the persistent widow, um, a, a passage that is very encouraging to me, strengthens me in my faith, and, um, and so we're, we're going to be talking a lot about prayer today, which is one of those things I do not feel adequate to talk to you about prayer. I once heard in a sermon 20 years ago, a pastor say something along the lines of, if you wanna humble any man, ask him about his prayer life. And that certainly applies to me. And I don't know if he was talking about man as in mankind or whatever, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if that was true for a large majority of us. That, um, and, and so when, I, when I'm saying that, the reason why I'm bringing that up is uh, this is a sermon that I will be preaching a lot to myself, just as much to all of you. And so Luke 8, 18, excuse me, verses 1 through 8. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Father, be with us today. Make us a church 
that rejoices always, that prays without ceasing, that gives thanks in all circumstances. Let us have the audacity to pray in such a way that we see as the example from this widow. Be with us today in Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk about first the main point from this passage. I just want to lay it out quickly, but then I also want to talk about the judge. I want to talk about the widow. And then I want to ask you some questions that you should reflect on when it comes to yourself and your your own prayers. Um, But first, I want to say from verse 1, in verse 1 it says, He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. And if there is any one thing that you take away from from the message this morning, it is simply this, it is verse 1. This is why he is delivering this parable. He wants his listeners, and by extension us, to pray always, ought always to pray and to not lose heart. Do not lose heart in your prayers. Why do you lose heart? Why do you lose heart when you pray? Why do I lose heart when I pray for specific things? I want to tell you there was a night earlier this week that Sarah and I were in bed, my wife Sarah, and um, she asked me to pray for something specific. Uh, Our tuition at our kids' school last year was tolerable. This year has been difficult for us. Next year, I think, is going to be much easier, but this year I am taking extraordinary measures to make sure that, that we are provided for as a family, and I'm, I'm exhausted, um, and it's going to be over soon, and I'm thankful for that. At least I hope it is. And, uh, and lo and behold, a, a, a law has been introduced in Ohio that could ease that burden a backpack law could ease that burden very significantly if it passes. And, um, and so I prayed. She wanted me to pray that the backpack law would pass. And I prayed that. But I prayed something else as well. And this might resonate with some of you. It's one of these things where I was praying, yes, Lord, please let this backpack law pass. But even if it doesn't, you, we've been in this situation so many times before where we've looked around and we've thought, we're stuck, we're trapped. How do we get out of this? And out of nowhere, it seems like you provide. So Lord, I, I trust you. I have confidence. I know you're going to provide a way, a way for us to not have this be so stressful on our lives. And in this is an area where I can say, thankfully, I have not lost heart. But I can also, and I'm sure you can too, you can list off several examples of ways that you have lost heart in your prayers. For me, it has a lot to do with people I want to see come to know the Lord, and it just seems like they're so far off. And I feel like I've lost heart. And I'm telling you, why would you lose heart when we have the God who we have, and, and think about what you are communicating to God when you lose heart. There's some lie that you are believing about him and about his character. Maybe it's one of these. God doesn't hear me. God doesn't care. 
God isn't, Lord, have mercy. God isn't able to answer my prayer. God, the one who created this universe, who didn't have to lift a finger, the one who spoke everything we see and know and taste and touch into existence, that God, you, you are believing that he is not able to answer your prayers. God doesn't like me. It's one I'm tempted to believe, if I'm being honest with you. God isn't good. Or perhaps the most foolish or sinful or whatever you could say, are you tempted to believe there is no God? These are all lies from the devil. When you lose heart, that may be your temptation. God doesn't hear me. God doesn't care. God isn't able to answer my prayer. God doesn't like me. God isn't good. There is no God. You are believing somewhere deep down inside of you. You are believing lies from the devil. And you've got to think about this from God's perspective. Sometimes he's going to say yes to your prayers. But other times he's going to say yes, and you're never going to find out about it. Will you lose heart? Sometimes he's going to say no to your prayers, but sometimes he's going to say, and I love it when he does this, he's going to say no, but let me show you why I'm saying no, and let me show you the far better option than the thing that you're praying for. He does that a lot. Um, But I think most of the time, his answer is actually not yet, or wait. And that's where it gets difficult. That's where we're going to be tempted to lose heart, especially considering the fact that this passage largely has to do with Jesus' second coming. Jesus Christ is returning to earth. I was a Christian for about a year before I, I learned that. And I want you to know, if you don't know that, the Bible says, God says that Jesus Christ is coming back. And that is something we should have a great deal of hope for because he is going to make wrongs right. He is going to remove sin from this world. He is going to restore this earth to how it was originally designed. And that is a day we should long for. Jesus Christ is coming back. This passage is largely talking about that and that we should not lose hope in Jesus Christ's return. And what am I getting that from? Well, the first word, it says, and, and, he told them a parable. So, and referring back to something else, we, Luke did not write this, this book and say, okay, Luke 18, verse 1. Chapter and verse breaks, I am thankful for them. They were brought in later. Um, but this is a chapter break that um, does, a, does a little bit of a disservice for us. And he told them a parable. Who are they? Well, they are the people he was speaking to in Luke 17 when he talks about his return. And of course, at the end of the passage, at the end of this, the passage we're looking at today, it says, when the Son of Man comes, it talks about his return. So we can certainly talk about not losing heart in all of our prayers, but we should especially look at this this passage as an encouragement to not lose heart in the fact that Jesus Christ will come back and make all things right. That is the aim of this. But let's take a look at the judge. 
this judge, this wicked man. He is the worst of the worst. He is a despicable character. It says verse 2, he said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. This man, this judge, it says in a certain city, this is a parable, it's not a specific man, but there were plenty of examples of unrighteous judges in that day. This man um, is in a certain city, a Jewish city. So we know that this is not a specific person, but it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an example from a parable. And this man neither feared God nor respected man. He doesn't fear God, but he's so much worse. He not only does not fear God, he knows that he doesn't fear God. He openly admits it. He says, though I neither fear God nor respect man. You know, there are, there's, there's very little fear of God right now in churches, but also in Cincinnati, in the United States, all over the world. But I think for a lot of people, they, they don't know. It's, it's out of ignorance, right? It's like, they don't know the extent of the holiness of God. But this man, he has some concept of who God is. And he is boasting, I don't fear God. That is, that is the height of arrogance. But not only that, he has no respect for man. The KJV, the King James Version of the Bible, translates this as regard. So respect, regard, in other words, he just doesn't care. You know, he doesn't care about justice. He doesn't care about wrongs being made right. He only cares about himself. And he has no regard for this widow. And if anyone, if there is anyone in existence who should cause this judge to have some kind of regard to someone who would pull at his heartstrings just a little bit, it would be this widow. This widow. She's a widow. There's one. We know that. So her husband has died. But here's the thing. In that day at the city gate, the courts belonged to the men. The men were the one who came and pled their cases. If there was a woman who had been wronged, a man would come representing her and bring her case before the judge. And so for the, the fact that this widow is the one who is coming to the judge means that not only does she not have a husband, she doesn't have a father, she doesn't have a brother, she doesn't have an uncle, a cousin, an adult son, she has nobody, she is truly alone, and she has been wronged. And if there is anyone who this judge should regard, it is this woman, and he doesn't care. Not only does he not, the only thing he cares about is himself. The only thing that causes him to give this woman justice is his own self-interest. He says it twice. You know, verse 4, for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow, widow keeps bothering me, she's annoying me, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. She's bothering him, she's beating him down, he's tired of it, he wants to be done. And so then he will give her justice. The only reason why. Now this man, this judge, might have had a chance with her if she was the consistent widow 
and not the persistent widow. And I want to talk about the difference between the two. She was not consistent. She might have been consistent, but she was more than that. She was persistent. Now, a long time ago, I was, believe it or not, a personal trainer. And that was many years ago, many pounds ago. And um, I would constantly preach to my clients the difference between being consistent and being persistent. You know, when people set their New Year's resolutions, they're gonna, I'm gonna come in every day, 5 a.m. I'm gonna work out every day. I'm gonna lose weight, I'm gonna get in shape. They're trying to establish some kind of new behavior. They're trying to be consistent. But then something happens. One day, maybe they oversleep and their alarm, they don't hear their alarm. They miss the workout that day. Next day, next time, maybe that they, they get a little sick and all right, I'm not gonna come going that day. And then, and, then, and then the straw that breaks the camel's back is one day they'll wake up and that bed's feeling very warm. And that's usually around the time that that, you, that New Year's resolution dies. And so what I would say to them is don't worry about being consistent. Worry about being persistent. Okay, you slept through your alarm. You've got to come in after work. You've got to come in in the evening. Find a way. Be persistent if you can't be consistent. And so this judge, if she was merely consistent... He doesn't really have to worry all that much. All right, 7 a.m. or the first hour, I'll be at the city gate and I know she's gonna come in at that time and I'm gonna have to just close my ears off, deal with her for, for a little bit and then she'll be gone and I can go through with the rest of my day. But perhaps she does show up at the first hour every day. But perhaps she shows up also at 11. Or perhaps she shows up at the end of the day. He's had a long day, he's exhausted, and there she is. Perhaps some days she's not there at, at the first hour of the day, but he knows. He knows that, and he's dreading it. This widow's gonna, I, I just know it, she's gonna be here. And then when, he's, when he least expected, or when he least wants her to be here, that's, that's when she comes. He had no chance. And... God is encouraging us to, to pray that this is an example of how we should pray. And he, he, points out something, he points something out to us here in verse 6. He says, And the Lord said, Hear what this unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he not give justice to, to us, to, to those of us when we are like this widow? Will he delay long over them? The judge has no regard. God has regard. Not only does he have regard for you, not only does he care for you, this, just, this judge doesn't care, God cares, but it is likely that he wants justice more than you do for the, in, in the ways that you went, you've been wronged. He wants the wrongs to be made right more than you do. He wants it. And so how much more so if this wicked man who, who is bothered and harassed by this persistent widow, if he will change and he will give her what she is requesting of him, how much more so will God, who has regard for you, do the same thing? And not only that, he will do it quickly, he will do it speedily. 
And some of you may be thinking, you hear that, will he delay long over them? I mean, well, all right, it's been 2,000 years. Is he coming soon? I mean, I, I read the Old Testament. I see the atrocities that happened there, and I see God's intervention. And it seems like things are pretty bad today. And then I ask the question, how long, oh Lord, how long will you let injustice go on unpunished? But I think some of you know what I'm going to say. To him, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. This is... God's time, and he has not delayed too long. It, feel, it may feel long, but he has not delayed too long. And so here's the thing you need to worry about. You don't need to worry about God. You need to worry about yourselves. Will you still have faith? Verse 8, I tell you he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? What does that mean? Some people may interpret this. You may be tempted to, to think that what, what that's saying is that there's not going to be any Christians when Jesus Christ returns, and that's not what that's saying. Um, the reason why I know that that's not what he's saying is, I tell you he will give them justice speedily, the verse, first half of verse 8. When, what's he when is that? That's when he returns. Who are they? Christians. But not only that, we, we are thinking of, if you think that he's talking about faith as in salvation, saving faith, um, this, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about faith as in, will we have lost heart? Verse 1, pray and do not lose heart. When the Son of Man comes, will he find people who have not lost heart? That is, it, it doesn't, in, uh, listen, all right, I'm going to out myself here. I, I am very strongly convinced, and we can have room for disagreement, I, I strongly believe that there will be, if, if he has not returned for another thousand years, another 10,000 years, that there will be a lot more Christians in this world faithfully worshiping God than there are today, both in number and in percentage. And if you disagree with me, that's fine, but this verse, fitting in your worldview, it just does not fit in this context, there are other ways that you can make this argument. So I want to ask you five questions. And then I want to share a story with you to encourage you to not lose heart. To pray, what does it say? To always pray and not lose heart. But here are some questions for you to reflect on. Uh, number one, do you pray for justice? This may be difficult at first because we have the example of the, of the persistent widow here and we may think, well, I haven't been wronged in that way. I haven't been wronged in a way that this widow has. I don't have any adversaries like that. So how should I pray for justice? But think about it more corporately, more universally. Um, have you ever asked the question, how long, O oh Lord? Have you ever said, prayed simply, come Lord Jesus? You see the insanity of this world. You see people calling up, down, and down, up. You see things, people calling things wrong, right, and right, wrong. You see all sorts of abominations all around you. And there's no shame. 
I've been tempted many times lately, especially it just feels like, and I feel like I'm just going to constantly feel this way, but it feels like just things are falling apart. They're unraveling is probably a better word. And I, and I find myself praying, how long, O oh Lord? Come, Lord Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer, you are praying for justice. And that is, in my attempt to be faithful to this passage, God will make things right. God will vindicate his people. I think I'll stop there. All right. Number two, how strong is your resolve in your prayer? We can pray, we can easily pray and have no resolve. And I'm working on this, just an example, my kids, when we, uh, when we pray at night, it's always the same thing and I'm okay with it. <laughs> They're young, but it's like, pray that school would go well tomorrow. I'm like, all right, cool, you know. Uh, school, I'm sure school's going to go well tomorrow. I mean, most likely it's going to go well. But I, I want to, I, I, over the years, will want to see resolve in them that they are praying um, with faith, expecting God to do mighty things in their lives, and that, that's coming. Um, but here's an example of something and I don't think it's wrong to do this, but I, I hear this, I've said this, and for me, it is an example of my lack of faith. When I, when I pray this, I'll pray for something, I'll pray for something specific, and then I'll say the words, if it be according to your will. What am I saying? I, I'm, I'm setting up some safeguards, and I'm like, you know, I just, I, I'm, I'm preventing, I'm clinging to something, I'm, I'm clinging to not wanting to lose heart more. And that's fine. If you pray that, it's not wrong to pray that. Just be mindful. When those words come out of your mouth, you may be doing something similar. That's what I do. Um, if I were to refine that, I would say something along the lines of what Jesus said when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane the day before he got crucified. He asked God to take that cup from him, and then he said, not my will, but yours be done. And that, that is a communication of submission to God. God, whether or not you, you answer this prayer the way I want you to, I am yours. Number three, do you pray specific prayers? In other words, in your prayers, are you willing to receive a no from God, when you pray vague, general prayers that you don't expect to see an answer to, good. But pray specific prayers. My prayers are not specific enough. And again, I'll say this, I'm clinging on. I, I, instead of living fearlessly, trusting that God is going to, to do all things for my good, I'm clinging on to, to the... the this desire to not lose heart instead of, I, I guess I'll say living more recklessly. I don't know. Number four, do you not have because you do not ask? It may be a cliche, whatever. I think that it's true. There, there are a lot of things that God could have given us, good things, you know, godly things that he has withheld because we have not asked. 
And number five, this is a question for us, Christ the King Church. Is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 true of our church? Do we rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances? I, I love and admire your faith, many of you. Um, I desire, I hope you do it. There's so many things that, that I, I dream of that I want for this church. You know, we talk a lot about being an oak tree church, and I, I had this thought yesterday. I want to be a persistent widow church. And I want us to pray, and, and not only pray, but to, to see God um, answer our prayers abundantly, graciously. And so, and I, I want to encourage you from a time in my life when I saw, I, I was fervent in prayer and I saw God do some things. I, I would say amazing things, but, but here's what I'll say. Um, I was fervent in prayer and I saw God do things that I think, I suspect prayer warriors would be like, yeah, that's God. And the rest of us would be like, oh, that's so amazing. They're like, that's God, that's God. Um, all right, summer of 2006, I was 24 years old, single, raising support to be on staff with crew at the time known as Campus Crusade for Christ. And, um, and I was working third shift at a gas station because I was single. And I, I would go in at 10 in the evening, get off at six in the morning, go home, go to sleep, wake up at 11, not because I, I, I need sleep, but I can't sleep with when it's like super bright outside. And, and then I would, if I was motivated, schedule meetings with potential supporters and ask them to donate to my ministry. And that was my routine. And I remember one day I was praying and reading my Bible. And I, I, I'm not going to say God spoke to me, but I, I felt this desire to fast for 40 days. And I want to stop real quick and just say, I, I come up with a lot of crazy ideas that I'm like, I'm going to do it. And then like 99% of the time I don't. But this time I, I was like, all right, I'm going to, Lord, I'm going to fast for 40 days. And, and so I thought, um, what days could I do this? What days, if you give me the strength to do it, and there were different events coming up that I was like, all right, a few weeks down the road. So I settled on August 2nd to September 10th of 2006. And the next Sunday at church, unbeknownst to me, the church announced that they were calling for a fast, a 40-day fast from August 2nd to September 10th of 2006. And I had mixed emotions. <laughs> On one hand, I was sitting there and I was like, wow, God, this is amazing. This is confirmation of this crazy idea. And on the other hand, I was like, whoa, hey, whoa. <laughs> I didn't, you're being serious? Come on. But um, by the grace of God, I saw it as a sign and went through with it and that one out of a hundred times that the crazy idea actually happened. And uh, I, I want to share with you three specific things that, that happened during that time. A blessing of that was that the church 
opened their doors 24 hours. They announced, we're open 24 hours, come whenever you want to pray. And I was working third shift, so I would come at odd hours of the day. You know, on my days off, I'd come in at 2 a.m. And every day during those 40 days, I prayed for hours on end. And I want to, there's so many things I could share with you from that time, but I, I want to share three specific things that happened um, as a way of encouragement that we, we can be fervent in our prayers and see God answer those. Um, I'll get the mushy one out of the way. Number one, uh, long before and during the fast, I prayed for a wife, you know, because I wanted a wife. I wanted to get married. And um, word got out at Ohio State, which I was raising support to go there to be on staff with crew, that, hey, there's this staff guy. He's raising support. He's praying. He's fasting. Um, and I got an email from a young Sarah Riley. And I remember reading that email, and I, I remember thinking, I'm not a hopeless romantic. I'm not one of those people. But I, I remember thinking, this, whoever this Sarah Riley is, um, she has qualities that, that I, I would desire in a wife. And, and I also remember, I had no idea what she looked like. And, and I, I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to go to Facebook right away. Um, <laughs> If I don't find her physically attractive, I am going to give myself new eyes. And fortunately, we can do that. Fortunately, I went to Facebook and I didn't need to worry about that. <laughs> but um, I met her on day 38 of that fast. And, and, and then 40 days after that fast ended, we went on our first date and I, I knew. Spoiler alert, we got married, um, had kids, a few of them. <laughs> All right. Number two, I heard of a, an acquaintance of mine who was also raising support, who got a $500 a month supporter. And don't hear about that very often. So that, was about a, that would have been about a seventh of what I needed. And immediately when I heard it, out of nowhere, I prayed this ridiculous prayer that I had no business praying. I asked God for a double portion. <laughs> and I kept praying for that. And wouldn't you know it, God gave me a double portion. I wasn't surprised at the man who generously gave me that double portion but I was surprised at the amount. All glory be to God. Number three, and perhaps my favorite, no, sorry, no, Sarah's my favorite. <laughs> my second favorite. It's called covering your bases, guys. Home run, all right. Um, during that, that fast, I read, I read a book by Bill Bright, the founder of Crew, a very godly man who's a hero of mine called Witnessing Without Fear. Um, I don't even remember much of the book, but I was really uh, moved at the time that I read it. And, and I prayed to God, I, God, give me somebody, someone who, who just let me see somebody follow, choose to follow Christ, that, that you would draw someone to yourself during this time. And I had no idea, no idea who to, who to pray for, who to, to, to share with. It was, I didn't want it to just be like, you know, some random person I saw on the street. I wanted to be somebody in my life who I had seen on a regular basis. And so I started even praying and asking God, give me the person to pray for. And, um, and 
Again, I don't know, I'm not going to say God spoke to me, but a name came to my mind very clearly. It was a man who came in regularly to the gas station that I worked at in the middle of the night. His name is Ray, about 15 to 20 years older than me, a truck driver. And so I started praying for Ray, but I'm reading this book, Witnessing Without Fear, and if I'm honest with you, I was, I was afraid. And so I started rehearsing the words that I was going to say to Ray. And it was just simple. I just want to rip the Band-Aid off, you know. Um, and I, it was something along the lines of this. Could you give me a few minutes to tell you about the, the joys of following Jesus Christ? And so I rehearsed it over and over again. It had to have been hundreds of times. I stood in front of the mirror and said those same words. Could you give me an opportunity to tell you about the joys of following Jesus Christ? And the day came, and what I was aiming for was muscle memory. It's like, all right, the fear is here. It'll just come out automatically, right? That's how it's going to work. And so the day came. I decided the next time I see Ray, I'm going to ask him that question, and Lord willing, I'm going to share with him the gospel, and Lord willing, he's going to repent of his sins and believe in Jesus. And I remember where I was the day he came in. I was at the hot dog roller. And I saw to my left the door open, and it was Ray. And Ray came and stood right next to me, and I thought to myself, there is no better time, there is never going to be a better time than right now. Say the words. I did not say the words. Instead, I said to Ray some of the last words that I would have ever wanted to say to him. I turned to him. I said, I'm about to throw these old hot dogs away. Would you like some? I wanted to offer him the greatest gift that any man could ever receive. And instead, I offered him old wrinkly hot dogs that I was about to throw in the trash. But, there was a but, God God heard my prayers. And he was delighted to answer my prayers. And this man standing next to me did not want old wrinkly hot dogs. He wanted Jesus. So one of my coworkers told him I was a Christian. And he said to me, he didn't even answer my question about the hot dogs. He said to me, Jason tells me you go to church. My jaw hit the floor. He knew something was up. And I had to apologize to him. Ray, I am so sorry. I have been praying for an opportunity to tell you about my faith in Jesus Christ. So he was busy that day. He left. I told all my friends, please pray for, for our next time talking. The next time he came into the gas station, we sat. Fortunately, no one else came in. We were there for 15, 20 minutes, and I walked him through the gospel. I told him he was a sinner in need of a Savior, and, and he acknowledged I am, he, he is a sinner in need of a savior. And in, in that moment, he, he prayed with me and, and he at least proclaimed that he, he wanted to follow Jesus. And, um, and then he started crying. And he asked me for the, the track that I was using so he could share, share it with his daughter. And by all means, please, yes. And, and he left and, and I, I fell on the floor of that gas station just praising God. Uh, Not the most sanitary thing, but. And here's what I want to say to you from from all of these things. 
God loves to say yes to our prayers. And there was something about that time, it's something I long for still, and I trust that there's going to be more times like that. There's something about that time, the, the, the fervency, whatever you want to call it, in the prayers that, that removed any, any ability to glorify myself. And it was all, if God was to say yes to those prayers, he was going to receive all the glory. And, and he saw in that time uh, in, a, a willingness to, to, be, to be favorable to me. And that is how we must pray as a church. We must be fervent in our prayers. And, and there's so many more things I could say. I, I, I want to leave it at that. Let us be a persistent widow church. Let's see this in your lives, in our lives. That God will do amazing things, unexpected things. And he will be glorified in our lives. Let's pray. Father, you are, you hear us, you care, you are able, you are willing, you like us, you love us, you are good, you are God. Remove those lies from our minds, from our hearts, and let us come to know and love and obey you as you are. And let us not lose heart in our prayers, but let us be fervent. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are Christ the King Church. For more information about our church, please visit us at ctkcincy.com.